Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. It does. You may not believe that. You may hope for it. And you may not feel it in your bones or in your soul. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God and the Son of Man, changes everything. Because what we profess is that God became man to die. That is his purpose, is to come and to die for our sin. And then to eradicate death by returning to life, raised from the dead. And so life's very meaning is bound up in our creator and what he has done for our salvation. Our life was once bound in chains, united in rebellion against our Maker, in chains oppressed by Satan, following after our own heart's desires, which are deceitful above all things. But now our chains are truly broken. Death is defeated. Sin has been conquered by Christ. Now we are His. We belong to our Maker. We belong to our Savior. And we're more than just simply belonging to Him. Our souls, our bodies, our actions, our very thoughts, our lives are not our own, but belong to the One who redeemed us, who purchased us, who bought us back, who saved us. And so therefore, O church, we cannot live as though each day belongs to us for not even our breath belongs to us, but is a gift from God. As Revelation 7.17 tells us, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. It's fascinating. Because Christ the Good Shepherd becomes one of us, the sheep. The shepherd becoming the sheep. He is the Lamb of God. And He becomes one of us in order to be slain for us. And by becoming the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world, He takes up His life now as the Good Shepherd. As fellow sheep, Christ not only accomplishes our salvation for us, but He directs us, He commands us now as the Good Shepherd to follow after Him. For we are called to be sanctified. We are called to be holy as He is holy. We are called to be set apart and not of this world. He promises in Revelation 7 that, quote, He will guide us to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Because when we are redeemed by Christ... When we are bought back by Christ from the chains of slavery, we become one of His. Not a slave to be abused. Not someone who is to be constantly held down by Satan. Not someone to be mocked for because of our sins. But now, because of our redemption, we are a sheep who is now part of the flock of God. And we follow after a good, a kindly, and a generous shepherd. And the scriptures themselves are are chock full of the imagery of both shepherd and sheep. 
the Lord God, he chastises the Israelite leaders who are false shepherds who are neglecting to feed the flock in Ezekiel 34. We, the people of God, are scattered, and Ezekiel records, we're scattered because there is no shepherd. Indeed, the Lord Jesus, he came to us precisely because we are, quote, a sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 9, verse 36. Because the reality is we we wander around. We're lost. We're in need of finding by the good shepherd. But God promises us this in Ezekiel. He did not leave Ezekiel and the people of Israel without hope. For he told them in Ezekiel 34.23 that he promises to set up one shepherd over them. And he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them and he shall be their shepherd. Christ indeed is our shepherd. And he fulfills not only Ezekiel, but also Psalm 23. He brings us to the still waters that are promised when he washes us, when he cleanses us, and joins us to him in that baptismal font as those waters pour over us. And Christ feeds us as well. He feeds us with his very flesh and his very blood by faith in Holy Communion. And these gifts are not gifts to be wasted, O church, but to be used to follow after the good shepherd who has sought after us and who has suffered much to purchase our salvation. For Ezekiel explains that Christ, the son of David, the son of God, will quote, shall be king over them and they shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Ezekiel 37, 24. In other words, you've got to be willing to follow in order to be Christ's sheep. You've got to be willing to be corrected and then yanked back by that shepherd's staff when you're going off on the wrong path. But unfortunately, sadly, many are not. They're not sheep, but they're goats, as Matthew 9, excuse me, Matthew 25, 32 warns us. Now, others may appear to be sheep for quite some time. They look like they're part of the flock, but then they depart, as John warns us in 1 John 2, 19. This is why it's important and it's crucial that we know the Good Shepherd. Because by knowing the Good Shepherd, not here with our mind intellectually, but knowing Him in our hearts, loving Him, trusting Him, having faith in Him, gives us great assurance to be part of the one flock that he calls us to. For in today's gospel from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16, we learn not only is Jesus the good shepherd, but he also has three vocations as the good shepherd. First, he will die for his flock. Second, he assures the flock will have his protection. And third, he will seek and he will find the lost sheep belonging to the one flock. So let's dive deeper today in the gospel reading and learn about Jesus, our good shepherd. The first thing we learn in his vocation is that he is willing and will and has died for the flock. Because as the good shepherd, he is far greater than the hirelings, the hired hands who are false shepherds and who will allow the flock itself to be eaten to be put in harm's way. For these false shepherds are paid. They are only in it for the money. They are only in it for 
getting something in return. They are not in it for protecting and watching over the flock. And these are the many false teachers that can arise within the church, not outside the church, but within the church. They try to subvert, they try to distort the teachings of the Good Shepherd that we find in the Word of God. And we see these false shepherds throughout so-called churches, both in America and in abroad. They deny that Christ is God the Son. They promote that all paths lead to salvation. And they deny the very written word of God is authoritative and binding upon us. These false shepherds and false teachers so often take a look at the scriptures, ignore parts that they don't like or don't want to believe is true, and then say, did God really say? And it's the same thing that we hear the serpent say in the garden. It's why the job of the good shepherd is also to fight off the wolves. The wolves that are coming after the flock. Because Christ fights off Satan in his attacks. And he continues to do so to this day. Christ has redeemed us from the way that we were once on. The way of death, the way of sin, the way of error, the way promoted by the world. Instead, Christ leads us to living waters. As he promises in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me by the still waters. We hear through the vocation of the good shepherd that he's willing to sacrifice it all. And he does for our own behalf there upon the cross. Because he loves, he cares, and he is for us. He so loves the world that he sends his only begotten son. So that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die as a sheep forsaken, but shall have eternal life. We are protected by being part of the one flock. The other vocation, the second vocation of the good shepherd, is assurance in our protection and our well-being. Because Christ knows his flock. And we hear this promise that they know him. Do you know the Good Shepherd? Do you know the Savior of our souls? Do you know the one who became man so that we might be with him? The unity that we are provided with Jesus Christ, God the Son, is like the unity that God the Father has with God the Son. Let me say that again. The unity that we are provided, this free gift that Christ is giving us, is like the unity of God the Father with God the Son. And think back to the Shema, to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 6.4, constantly reminding themselves, Hear, O hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so too are we, united as members of Jesus' very body through the church. Those baptismal waters grafted us into his very own body, his very own flesh. And then we continue to feed upon his flesh and his blood so that we might have life within us. For he is the vine who is giving the branches true life so that we may have life now. We may have eternal life today so that we may have resurrected life even, a foretaste of it in the here and now. And this is why Paul says to us in Romans 8.31, What then shall we say to these things? 
If God be for us, then who can be against us? If God be for us, then who can be against us? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? For as it is written, for all the day long we are killed. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Paul quoting back from the Old Testament. We are accounted as sleep Sheep for the slaughter. But verse 37, he continues in Romans 8. Nay, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, through him who conquered death, who conquered Satan, who conquered the world, and who conquered sin. For I am persuaded, continues St. Paul, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things are to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be ever able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the assurance the Good Shepherd gives us. The assurance that He is calling us to be part of His one flock, making us part of the one flock, even when we don't even feel like it. When we wake up on Monday mornings and we don't feel it in us, thanks be to God, it's not about our feelings, but about the promises and the reality, about the branding He undertook us when He put us into the waters, about the faith that He gifts us, the faith that's not even our own, but it's a free gift of God, about our failures this past week, our sins, which are stacked to high heaven, our sins this morning just getting to church, and then we come and we kneel. We confess our sins. We ask God for forgiveness. And he responds by giving himself right back to us. Take, eat. This is my body. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood. Because the third vocation of Christ Jesus, the good shepherd, is to find the lost sheep. To find the lost sheep. Because there are lost sheep that are currently not united to the one flock. And that flock is this gathering. It's the church itself. The gathering of the people of God. The lost that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 10. The context is he's talking about the Gentiles, the Greeks, who do not know the Lord yet. But he knows them. And he's calling and yet we have this interesting juxtaposition because during Jesus' ministry here on earth, what did he say in Matthew 15, 24? He is only sent for the lost sheep of Israel. But then we hear in John chapter 10, there's other sheep not here that are part of the flock that he's going to find and to save. Because Jesus, he sends his apostles, his sent ones, he sends his very own body because we're so united to him, the church, to complete the very mission that he has been given. To gather the lost sheep by preaching unto the ends of the earth, as we hear Matthew conclude in the Great Commission. So you may be asking yourselves, we're in the middle of Easter tide, the 40 days are quickly going by, and soon... In May, we'll be celebrating Ascension, when Christ returns to be at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And Christ tells us, it's good that I leave you. And of course, his disciples, and even we as we read this, why, why, Lord, is it good that you leave, that you ascend? Because he leaves us to this task. We are so united by the promises of the new covenant, the New Testament. 
that we are one with him, that he dwells in us and we in him, and we are so united that he gives us his very own spirit. And yes, I'm jumping ahead a bit into Pentecost, but it's important so that we know who the good shepherd is. Because we're united to him as one. We are his body. We have his very own Holy Spirit within us by faith. And so when we go, Jesus goes before us. Just as he went before the children of Israel and Moses in the wilderness. Leading them to the safety of the promised land. Conquering the enemies who were before the children of Israel. Just as he went before us and conquered our true enemy, Satan. Conquered sin. Conquered death. And goes with us out into the world so that we may find the lost sheep who have been scattered. Because we who once were Gentiles, who did not know the living God, we were, as St. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.25, we were as sheep going astray. But now, but now we are returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of our soul. In the translation we have, the English Standard Version, it says overseer. Because that's the job of a bishop, to oversee, to take care, to be a shepherd. It's why our own bishop and other bishops carry a staff, because that's the task they are given. To oversee, to watch over, to defend the church from heresy and error, to protect the flock. But even the bishop has a bishop. And I'm not talking about the archbishop, I'm talking about the true bishop of our souls, the overseer of our souls, Jesus Christ, who promises us in John that he will not lose one sheep. That's the assurance that we have. Because Christ Jesus is constantly revealing God the Father to us. And he does so by revealing the mercy of God the Father, by bearing our sins in his very own body. By his wounds we are healed. Nailed to the tree of the cross. Receiving the spear in his own side. He does this and he dies so that, quote, we might die. So that we might die to what? Die to sin and then live in our own resurrection to righteousness, as 1 Peter 2 tells us. We are called to die with our Lord. We died with him in our baptism. Die to what? To sin, to flesh, and the devil. And that's why when we are baptized, we rebuke Satan, we rebuke the sin, we rebuke the flesh. And instead, we covenant ourselves to the Lord who has bought us back. For you see, as 1 Peter tells us, echoing the words of Isaiah, by his wounds, you are healed. And so therefore, what should we do, O church? Let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us renew our baptismal vows. Let us produce the fruit of the Spirit. Let us work righteousness out that's born from our faith, born from our trust, born from our love of the Lord who loved us first. A faith that is rooted in Christ is risen. And that's why we prayed this morning in the collect of the day, we pray for God to equip us. To equip us so that we can follow after God's godly example in Christ Jesus, the Son of God. So that we may, quote, as we prayed, daily endeavor ourselves to follow the blessed steps of His most holy life. And we need God's grace. We need to pray for that grace 
just as we prayed for it this morning in the collect of the day. Because he willingly, lovingly, lashingly, lavishingly, and abundantly pours out his grace upon us so that we can draw near and near to him. Of course, Peter told us in his first letter, quote, when the chief shepherd shall appear, that's his advent, his return, the second coming, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. Because your salvation, your justification, your sanctification, your service to God is why Christ has redeemed you, O church. So let us finish the race strong. Let us leave this gathering together ready to prayerfully serve one another. And let our service be to truly sacrifice our body, our minds, our souls, and our spirit to serve the one true God. For our offering is not simply showing up on Sunday. But leaving this place, leaving this together, rejoicing in the power of God's gift of the Holy Spirit and burning out brightly the light of Christ that is within us, whom dwells in us each day, so that others may see the light, so that we may share the light and spread the light. And like the light of a candle that is on fire, as we touch others, they too, may they be lit upon fire by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because our discipleship in Christ, our following of the Lord, is not merely to show up for a service for an hour or two. Our discipleship is a call. Our discipleship is a call to stop wandering and to follow after the Good Shepherd. As disciples, we are called to renew our minds, to be sent out in the name of the Good Shepherd, to minister to our neighbors, our co-workers, and our own families who live in a dark world. And that need to hear. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. And now in the words of Hebrews 13. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. That great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast for this week. We're expanding our ministries at Church of the Good Shepherd and expanding our space as well in order to better accommodate our growing church family and also to minister to our children. If you feel led to give, please feel free to text the word SHARE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Or additionally, visit us at www.goodshepherdacna.com and go over to the menu item listed Donate to donate online. We appreciate any help that you can give, and we hope to see you soon. Come visit us on Sundays at 9 a.m. for Bible study and at 10.30 a.m. for Sunday worship. God bless.